Good morning. Good afternoon. Good, good evening. evening. And good night. <laughs> um, we're back. It's Leah. And it's Alexis. We have this really weird energy. And I know because we both react to like stress and unknown the same way. <laughs> where we're like yelling at each other. But we're not mad at each yeah. other. I'm like, why are they calling Arizona? And she's like, why don't you think they can call Arizona? And I'm like, I don't know. I know. It's a little bit of aggression. Um, we're Literally gonna, not mad at each other. We're going to be talking about the election today. But let's let's start with a, I don't know, like, how's your week been? Like, how was your weekend? What are your plans for this weekend? The only thing I'm going to say, which is related to the election, is last night. I went to bed and I set an alarm for 3 a.m. because they said Georgia will be out by then. And it wasn't. And and I was sleepy and upset. Yeah, that's how I've been feeling all week. Um, Just, I had like, I don't know. Like, as Leah said, when when I get stressed, I start like getting like, I don't want to say sassy because I don't like the word sassy. No, she gets sassy. But, like, I was on the phone with my boyfriend, and while, like, it was, like, what, 8.39 p.m. So, like, this is when, like, only the states that you know are... So, like, they call Arkansas as red. <laughs> I was, like, I was on the phone. I was, like, fucking color me surprised. And Kira was, like, can you stop yelling, please? My friend Kat got a noise complaint from, like, her landlord called her and was, like, hey, you need to stop yelling about the election. <laughs> and she was, like... I hate it here and like i don't know because it's just like it's been so long and like i hate that i was like let's talk about something not the election and then we're like just talking about the election i mean i'm going home this weekend that's nice i have so, a six page single spaced paper due next week so i'm gonna be working on that this weekend i I was all stressed. I was like, what if I can't get to the train? Because there's, like, protests. And, like, what if I can't come back? I went to Target yesterday. Sweetgreen was boarded up. Chipotle was not boarded up. Target was not boarded up. No I made other Trey pick me up from... We live down the street from each other. From my place. <laughs> I was like, no. I was like, I'm not going out in dark alone. It was so funny, though, because I went to Target last night. And like sweet greens board up. Like who who's looting sweet green? What who's can they go, loot? Who's going Arugula? at the cucumbers and like the sesame dressing? Ugh, I just I don't know. Anyway, we're gonna say take care of yourself, take a break from the election if you need it. And on that note, let's dive into everything about the election in extreme detail. Good morning. Good morning. Good morning. Yeah. Yeah, the election. Well, it's happening. Still, um, just as a disclaimer, we're recording this on Thursday, November 5th at 12.34 p.m., which means that, I don't know, in about an hour, two hours, 24 hours, things will probably look vastly different. That's one of the few, most of the time when we do the news, we can, like, do it recorded a day early because things don't drastically change in a day. This is not one of those cases. So even if in the middle of the episode, like, Georgia gets called, we are going to stop what we're saying 
and change it i mean we will be refreshing <laughs> so um so i just want to say as of right now i've been using both google and the new york times they have different numbers right now um so google is saying that biden has 264 trump has 214 that's because google called arizona arizona is only 88 percent reporting but they did call it the new york times has 253 to 214 because they have not called arizona i think it's too early to call arizona i think knock on wood i think we will get arizona i think we just need to wait i think calling things early is dangerous because if you call arizona if we get pennsylvania we win the election so like and so if some news outlets are like well we've won the election and then others aren't that's going to be really confusing also something that's interesting to note is that like google uses the ap which is like the like official news organization that like reports to other news organizations so like when alexis is like google is saying this google like google's using the ap and the new york times also uses the ap but they're also doing like their own factors before declaring a winner so that's just something really important to note also a minute update this was just released that ballot counting in philadelphia was briefly halted after state democrats appealed a ruling that allowed observers to watch the process so no and then it said and then counting's been resumed yeah so so saucy Um, basically we're still so we're waiting on nevada which for some reason nevada whatever which for some reason um counted 75 percent of its votes then took a little 24-hour self-care day but is now back we're now up to 76 percent reporting biden has increased 76 percent reporting for nevada yes i have 88 percent reporting for nevada yeah Okay, either way, <laughs> he's increased his lead. His lead was at first 8,000. Now his lead is 12,000. No, nope, 9,000. Why can't I do math? Happens to the best of us. Um, so that's almost 10,000. Wait, no. It is 12,000. I'm losing my mind right now. Please excuse us. Um, and so we're waiting on... So we're waiting on Georgia, Pennsylvania, and North Carolina... Because although Nevada and Arizona both haven't been called by the New York Times, Arizona's been called, Arizona and Nevada are very likely going to go to Biden. But Pennsylvania, North Carolina, and Georgia are the ones that we're really waiting on. In all three states, Trump is leading. Right now, he's leading in Georgia by 12,000 votes with 98% um, reported. He's leading by around like 75,000 in North Carolina, but North Carolina isn't updating their vote numbers until um, a week from today. So awesome. And in Pennsylvania, Biden has been consistently shrinking the margin. Like last night, it was like 500,000 votes and it was 300,000 votes. Now it's only 115,000 votes. And they're still counting all of those mail-in ballots that lead majority towards Biden. So the states that you want to look out for, just to summarize, is Pennsylvania. Alexis mentioned this briefly. Even though Trump is leading, Biden is shrinking his lead at like 
extraordinary rates. So the real question is, is Pennsylvania going to go blue? And the reason that this is important is this is 20 electoral votes, which is a huge prize for whoever gets it. Even though North Carolina is relatively close, you could say, they do have 15 electoral votes. They're waiting a week. I personally think, and feel free to disagree, North Carolina is going to go to Trump. I agree. So it's kind of like... Oh, I completely agree. There's no need to keep refreshing on North Carolina because you're just not going to know by today. So like there's you're not going to know in the next couple of days. Just like ignore her. Kind of pretend she's not on the map. Sorry. Georgia. Georgia is the definition of a nail biter because like I was listening to the daily this morning and they were <laughs> Michael Barbaro was like, so like, who do you think is going to win? Like, I was like, I'm not. Um, no, yeah. not predicting it. Nope. No, Georgia is... It's such a small lead. And I understand that there's other states where, I mean, like, like right now in Nevada, Biden's only up by 11,000. But for Georgia, 14,000 votes, it's a point, it's a point three lead. Point three. Point three. Like the numbers are 49.5 to 49.2. And it's 99% reporting or 98% reporting or whatever and it's just 98% reporting like Georgia so close it's I really don't know which way Georgia's gonna go and we might have an update by the end of this episode we might not we really don't know Uh, um when we get in we're not just gonna focus on the presidential election so when we get into the house and senate we'll talk a little bit more about why Georgia matters and their whole like 50% thrush oh my god he he fell under the 50% threshold. Who? Where? David per- Perdue. Yeah, this is the Senate. I know. Sorry. It just got updated. I didn't know Stop that. Stop reading the New York Times updates. Sorry. Sorry. We will get to that. Basically, Georgia's gotten under the 50% threshold. We'll get into why that's important later. Um, so now we've covered Pennsylvania, North Carolina, Georgia. We've touched on Arizona, but I think we need to touch more into Arizona and kind of get into it. Mm. So... While Biden does have a lead in Arizona with other states, I feel like they've been able to say like the majority of ballots that haven't been counted are blue ballots. I haven't heard that same rhetoric coming from Arizona. I haven't heard any rhetoric. So Arizona's contentious. Nevada, we've kind of said everything we can say about Nevada. So like I will say that Georgia said that they would have updated results by 12 p.m. today. It is currently 1242. There's no updated results. I mean, we have to think, you know, like I'm sitting here and I'm like, we got to be patient, you know, like it's counted by hand because we live in 1755. And then I think about how Nevada didn't update their numbers for what? A day? For what? And then I get upset. (laughs) Um, so let's get into people we hate. And by people, I mean states. Let's start with what? Florida. Fuck you, Florida. Yeah. And no. I mean that from the bottom of my heart. I mean, I think everyone knew Florida and Texas weren't going to flip. I was hopeful on Florida flipping. Maybe I was naive. And by maybe, I mean, I was naive. You were naive. Because, oh, it, it hurts, though. It really does. It hurts. I mean, it, it's... It's like a it's like a knife to the back. Like I it's know. let's I'm sorry. Okay, wait. Have you been I don't know if you've been watching CNN, but John King? I don't 
Oh, is that the guy with the... Yes. So, like, I've been watching him nonstop. He's just in the background of my life. And yes, yesterday? Oh, my God. What is time? Tuesday? Tuesday. Tuesday. Thank you. Ohio was, like, looking contentious. Ohio went red. We get it. Whatever. Yeah, we get it. I don't know what happened. This point eight nonsense. Or plus eight nonsense, rather. Damn it, Trey. Why couldn't you have done better? Anyway, um... Just to circle back to Ohio, he was, like, zooming in and out of the map. And Ohio, like, they really didn't know which way it was going to go at that point. And so he was fixated on Ohio. So we played, like, take a drink every time he says Ohio. It was a fun time. Except for the fact that I was really anxious and stressed. But, you know, it is what it is. Um, Should we talk about the blue wall? Yeah, so... If you haven't looked at the 2016 electoral map recently, um, I would recommend that you pull it up and see how Hillary Clinton got fucking washed out of the water with the Electoral College. She got 232. Um, So Biden has flipped two states, three if you count Arizona. He flipped Michigan and Wisconsin, um, which is part of the important blue wall that was really integral to getting him to the election because although people had their hopes about Florida. People, for some reason, had their hopes about Texas. People had their hopes about North Carolina and Pennsylvania and Ohio. But two very, very important states that Biden needed to win were Michigan and Wisconsin. So shout out to the cheese people because couldn't do it without you. The lakes and the cheese. Love it. Also, shout out to Detroit. We see you. We Thank, feel you. you. Thank you. Thank um, you. I saw this tweet and it was like, Detroit saved this election. Black people saved this election. Respect them. <laughs> As they always do. As they always do. And I stand by that. Um, so we have some record-breaking voter turnout, which was to be expected. Um, we're up to, a, I think it was somewhere between 70 and 72,000. Not 72,000. 72% of the electorate wow. voted, um, which a measly less than three-fourths, but this is actually very good. Um, So Biden was the first presidential candidate to get to surpass the 70 million vote threshold. He got more votes than Obama. He got more votes than Trump did in 2016. Um, He is currently at 72.4 million. Um, So he's leading Trump by about 3.5 million popular votes right now. Everyone kind of expected that. Trump also got more votes this time. Um, In the 2016 election, it was Clinton had 65 and Trump had a little bit over 62, I think. Um, And now, right now, as I just said, he's up to like 68.4. So whatever. little fun fact. Minnesota consistently has had the highest voter turnout since, I think, the 1970s. And they were the only state to vote against Reagan in 1984 for Walter Mondale. All right. Which is so powerful. Basically, what it shows is that voter mobilization and all those efforts and, you know, opening any social media app and seeing, like, you need to go out and vote or whatever. It's obviously not partisan. A lot of people kind of think that it's a partisan thing because, you know, like, only Democrats really want people to vote. But it's not. Everyone's turning out to vote for everyone. You really should just vote. And I think like my professor for my one of my Latin America cl- for both my Latin America classes said something really interesting. Like voting is really important. If you have the right to vote, you should definitely exercise it. It does make a difference. It directly affects like which way your sweet, sweet state swings. 
that being said, the vote or like kind of like this vote or die rhetoric can be really dangerous because like you don't know like which of your friends have like legal status in the United States. So if you keep bombarding someone and you're like, hey, have you voted? Hey, are you voting? And they can't vote and they don't want to tell you their status because they shouldn't have to. They don't know who they can and can't trust. Just like keep that in mind. Yeah. It is important, although I am very like, yes, go vote, go vote, go vote. You have to think about all the people whose votes are being suppressed as well. People who can't afford to wait 13 hours in line. And we talked about voter suppression for the last few weeks. But like, you know, if you're in a situation where it's hard for you to vote or maybe like if, you know, felon disenfranchisement is still a thing. Or if you're afraid for your life to vote, which like. You might be like, okay, that's dramatic. But there's some people who live in a majority party household and they want to vote against that party and their family is like, no. Yeah. And then they'll get banished from their family. And so they're like, I'd rather just not vote than vote for something I don't believe in. Yeah, that's why it pisses me off when like white liberals slash leftists you know like the bernie bros of the world who have all the privilege in the world to go out and vote don't as some sort of like protest it's like no you don't that doesn't do anything also something that pisses me off is like we've talked about like tiktok making jokes about things and like most of the time they're pretty funny but i've seen a lot of jokes like who's ready for the next civil war and like a lot of times it is like white liberal creators yeah. and it's like you're not gonna be harmed like, i know this is like our reality like it's not funny like i don't think I that this is funny i want to be able to go and walk around at night and not feel scared like i like you know what i mean like obviously i like going places with people i'm a, like i'm a social person but i want to be able to have the opportunity and the right to go somewhere by myself i want to say hey alexis do you want to take a nightly walk somewhere and not feel like i need to bring someone else to make sure that we don't get attacked yeah as much as it's like very cringy like you can talk about the cringe factor being like gen z is the most powerful generation blah 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 like shut the fuck up okay die okay but like there is this whole thing of like these like white leftists that like dream of like the fucking revolution people who voted for trump to like because there's there's this whole thing like if you're an accelerationist which is like you vote for the say fascist candidate so that things will break out so that you can live out your like anarcho-communist fantasy but the thing is is like that's just very dangerous to all the people whose lives will be directly affected by violence because riots are going to break out in cities cities are minority heavy um there's like police brutality will continue to persist at these things and it's like how privileged can you be to be like uh civil war uh what are you guys wearing to the civil like this isn't funny like it's it's not funny <laughs> it's like not it's funny. i'm not laughing who's laughing who like alexis and i make a lot of dark jokes stop it yeah we're scared it's cringy. genuinely scared yeah we don't think it's funny i hate shit like that thank you for coming to our ted talk i'm like <laughs> sponsored by two minority women who are scared for their lives yeah um so i guess we can move on from the presidential election because we can talk ad nauseum about that but let's talk about the senate um because if you didn't know you actually vote on many things when you go to vote um, spooky senators is one of them so 
The official numbers are 48 Democrats to 48 Republicans. The Republicans flipped one seat. The Democrats flipped two. There's four races remaining. But where the races are remaining, those are likely to go to Republicans. Yeah. Um, So let's just go with some, you know, the big high profile examples. In May and Susan Collins got reelected, which I'm shocked. No one expected this. Like, not even like, oh, no one, ex- like, literally no one really expected that Susan Collins was going to win. Everyone thought that her opponent was going to win. Um, but her c- opponent conceded when the race was, I think it was like 55-43. So Susan Collins is back in the Senate. I mean, she never left, obviously. Um, she's a Republican senator from Maine, if you didn't know. In one of the most high-profile senate elections um in south carolina jamie harrison the democratic challenger lost to incumbent lindsey graham i hate lindsey graham this was literally the first competitive race of graham's career and he somehow still won why do people like him i don't know but the race was pretty close i think it was like 55 43 or something like that which i mean numbers wise doesn't sound very close but when you have someone as high profile as lindsey graham and his challenger gets 43 percent of the vote in such a um, Republican state like South Carolina. It is very notable. I mean, it was closer than I expected. Yeah, 56% to 42.6. Mm-hmm. Um, so my mortal enemy, Addison Mitchell McConnell, got reelected, which we expected. We expected, but like I still saw the news. And I, I don't know if I immediately texted. I immediately texted someone and I was like, damn it. Yeah. <laughs> Who? Okay, who do we hate more? Ready? Mm-hmm. This is a tough one. Mm-hmm. Mitch McConnell mm-hmm. or Betsy DeVos? I think I think I hate Mitch McConnell. I more. think I hate Betsy DeVos more. But I, I will say it's neck and neck. But the thing is, like, back in, like, 2016, 2017, 2018, I would have gone with Betsy DeVos. But Betsy DeVos has somehow disintegrated into the nonsense of the Trump administration. But Mitch McConnell continues to persist and continues to haunt my life every single day. I mean, we can directly blame Mitch McConnell for Amy Coney Barrett. So I guess. Yeah, true, true, true. Um, so there's a runoff election in Georgia. So in Georgia, you need a majority of over 50% to be elected to the Senate. Um, so there was this one race in which, I kid you not, there were, I think, over 15 candidates. It was insane. The highest that um, anyone got was 32.7%. Um, and it was a Democrat. So they're scheduling a, a runoff election. And what's actually very interesting is in a runoff election, you have to go back and like re-vote. And the thing is, is that when runoff elections occur, they tend to skew conservative. So even mm. though the people, the person with the highest percentage was a Democrat, it's likely that the most popular Republican will win unless Georgia continues to mobilize their Democratic voters and gets them to do the runoff election, basically. I see. Okay. Well, we'll keep an eye on Georgia, and we'll see what happens. I mean, that runoff election isn't going to be for a little bit, so mm-hmm. you don't need to keep your eye, like, as in today, tomorrow, but just in the general future. Yeah. Because, you know, it's important. There's only 100 senators. Ed Markey got reelected. We knew this was going to happen. but We I love, love him. him. <laughs> so much. I love him. I voted for him. Um, so moving on to the House. This was a little interesting. The Senate was very much expected. Like, we expected a Democrat to flip a seat or two. 
like the Republicans are still likely to control the Senate. Mitch McConnell will continue to take his black, gross, rotting hands and strangle the absolute life out of American democracy. But the House is actually kind of interesting. See, the thing about the House is Democrats are still predicted to hold their power, but we are not doing well in the House. Republicans flipped eight seats. Oh, eight? Eight seats. This morning was six. Whereas the Democrats flipped two seats. So the numbers right now are 209 to 190. There's 36 remaining. You need 218 for control. It's really disappointing. We really thought that Democrats were going to do a lot better, not only hold their power, but gain a substantial lead. And they just didn't. But what's interesting, so no blue wave, like we kind of saw in 2018. And I think that people took mobilization and support for Biden as mobilization and support for the Democratic Party as a whole. But you have to think of how many anti-Trump Republicans there were and how many anti-Trump Republicans voted for Biden, but then voted for Republican down the ticket otherwise. Right, right. Which explains it. And so there's this one new representative, Marjorie Taylor Greene. Oh, I was waiting for you to get into this. From Georgia. Look at her face. This woman is a QAnon conspiracy theorist fascist. Excellent. And she got elected in Georgia by a wide margin i'm not talking this was some like 50.1 49.8 nonsense like it was a very wide margin um so like that's cute like she won it was 74.8 to 25.2 um so that's like awesome and cute um and i mean you can think like there's 400 and whatever um representatives right like what is one gonna do but her getting elected by such a wide margin gives such validity to QAnon beliefs and if you don't know what that is it's basically this conspiracy theory that like there's this like pedophile sex ring that's controlling and like the elite like the elites are in this pedophile sex ring but Donald Trump will save us all and he's like single-handedly going to take them down. It's, and it's real weird. It's really bizarre. And if you Google it and you like get into a little rabbit hole and you watch some YouTube videos, like you do you. It's actually like, it's very interesting. But then you remember how dangerous it is. Again, it's one seat. Can't do a bunch of harm, but this does open the door to people like. And Trump has been appealing to QAnon people for a while. He uses their rhetoric and their language to appeal to them directly. Her getting elected kind of opens the door for, like, more representatives to use this language and see that they can get support. And then senators. And, like, it just kind of opens this wave. Kind of like how Ed Markey, you know, and, like, Warren and AOC and, like, the more progressive representatives open the door for other more progressive. Like, you can see how it works in both ways. Right. So, like kind of what alexis is explaining like within the democratic party you have different levels of democrats like joe biden is a very moderate democrat he's not super revolutionary he's pretty run-of-the-mill he's not going to do anything incredibly radical whereas like when you see aoc when you see warren when you like those those representatives are seen more as 
the progressive side of the Democratic Party, more leftists, having more radical views than when compared with Joe Biden. The same is true for the Republican Party. So like this new emergence of a more, I don't even know if you would say conservative, but just like, I don't know. I don't even know where they're all, because they're not traditional, but they're a different branch of the Republican Party stemming out is very dangerous. The Tea Party... It is it is uber conservative. You know, it's like paleo conservative where it's like pro Trump, pro family, pro gun. You know, like all of that. It's like the basic conservative stuff, but then they amp it up with these conspiracy theories and the anti Semitism and like the rape. Like it's like it's like scary. It's it's quite it's actually quite frightening. frightening. Um, Some good news. AOC, baby. I mean, we knew, we knew she was going to win, but she swept the floor. As she me, should. We love her. Made me very happy. It was a great update to see, and I was like, keep doing what you do, queen. Yeah. All right. So something else on the ballot are ballot measures. Oh, my God. Can, please let me talk about Oregon. I'm so Talk excited. about Oregon. Go oh, off, Portland queen. Oh, Oregon did something remarkable. They decriminalized a small amount of hard drugs in, like, it's a certain quantity. This is amazing. This includes heroin. This includes methamphetamines. This includes, I mean, marijuana is legal in Portland. But if you have possession of marijuana, this is incredible. And the way that they're doing it is the money generated from taxing those goods will go to rehabilitation programs. This is amazing because people who possess small amount of hard drugs are often just recycled through the prison system and not given the help they need. So this funding is going to provide ample opportunities. Portland specifically and Oregon as a whole as a region has a terrible meth problem. It's destroying people's lives. It's it's really tragic to see. And specifically in Portland, we have a homelessness crisis that is just unmatched. I mean, like, I live downtown Portland, like the sidewalks are just covered, like you can't walk on the sidewalks. It's really terrible to see. You can tell that people are addicted to drugs. And Oregon is already pretty revolutionary in the fact that we offer five free meals a day guaranteed. But you can't just feed people and then expect, like addiction is a problem. It's a disease. It's not a choice. So by providing the opportunity to help people not be addicted, it's going to be great. There's this myth that because Oregon has like good homelessness benefits. People are choosing to be homeless. Yeah, that's just like not true. And I would just want to dispel that myth. I and like, know. No one chooses to not have a home. Also, like people are like, well, people are just going to continue using hard drugs because there's no incentive to stop. I don't know if you've heard, but hard drugs de- like debilitate you and like are terrible. And when you're not high, you're miserable. Again, no one's choosing to be a drug addict. However, even though there's decriminalization of hard drugs in terms of possession, if you possess more than a certain amount where you could be selling those drugs, that's still illegal. So selling these drugs is illegal. Possession of them isn't. And I think that's really important, too, because we know that drug dealers do commit a lot of very violent and horrific crimes. And so we don't want to legalize their work and then as a result legalize those types of crimes this is great oregon's one of the first states to do this i'm really proud of you oregon this is remarkable this is going to do great things and i hope this can be used as an example for other states to try to pass initiatives like this 100 percent agreed good on oregon we love her so speaking of weed and drugs and such five states i believe including south dakota and new jersey have legalized it um 
something that I thought was interesting that we talked about in my class earlier was people were wondering, like, South Dakota is so Republican. Why do they legalize weed? Because usually legalizing weed is like a Democrat thing. Right. But um, they grow weed in South Dakota. And South Dakota is also very like libertarian, as in like the libertarian right, kind of like Republican side of it. Um, so that's why South Dakota did it, even though no one was really expecting it. Um, but that's just something I thought was interesting to point out. We love legalizing weed. It's great. It's great for a number of reasons. I know you're thinking people just, okay, we get it. You want to smoke weed. That's why you're happy about it. But it's really not why. It's because criminalizing something doesn't mean people stop using it. It's better to have like a safe legal mechanism for people to smoke weed than for them to not. Hopefully this can eliminate the prosecution of black Americans just to like put them in yeah. jail. If I personally believe this, if weed is legalized in your state, you should release all the people in prison for weed possession because that doesn't 100%. make sense. A hundred percent. You can't have someone in prison for something that's now legal. Also, weed is harmless and it's just like the war on drugs. The war on drugs, A, is expensive and uses your tax dollars. B, is ineffective. It doesn't work. And C, really the way to combat drug problems is to attack the supply side. And while that's easier said than done, there's lots of ways you can do this. And one of them is education programs. So even if you legalize something, you can still teach people about the dangerous side effects of them. I mean, look at alcohol. People die from drinking alcohol. Alcohol is a drug. It's just the way that our society has shaped it. So in high school, they have education courses. Don't drink too much alcohol you can die and it does actually work on some teenagers they even if they're consuming alcohol they're not consuming it in lethal doses yeah education is good and important moving on from drugs florida raised their minimum wage to 15 dollars the reason this is interesting is because now that we have the election results of florida we see the people who voted to raise the minimum wage also voted for president trump little confusing to me but uh yeah it's a little strange um so people voted no for ranked choice voting in massachusetts i voted yes so if you don't know what ranked choice voting is it's basically that when you go in to vote rather than just choosing one you rank um the candidates based on personal preference and if the person that gets the most votes isn't like the majority it turns into like second choice you know i don't really know like everything about it but it's a very good thing um and it you know it's not this whole like winner take all thing you know because like you can have five candidates in an election like let's say georgia right if georgia didn't have their rule with 50 percent, then the person would win with only 32.6 percent of support which is not even a third so ranked choice would make it so that there would be more support basically and it's kind of complicated you can look it up um so the reason that Massachusetts voted no, we were talking about it this morning, is that support only came from Boston, Boston suburbs, and then, like, the Cape. And because um, there's this, like, I think there was a lack of education around ranked choice voting for people that don't live in, like, highly populated areas. And also because we can talk about this a little bit more later, but there's such confusing language with ballot measures and i've never had to deal with this because there were no ballot measures it's on really the, hard to understand there were no ballot measures on the connecticut ballot 
um, and that's where I vote. But basically, people don't really know what they're voting for, number one. And number two, there's a lot of confusing questions in which, like, you might think that voting yes is in favor of it, but it might not be that way based on how the question is phrased. It's very confusing. And they do this on purpose. I'm not going to lie to you. They do. For what? So... Like, for example, in California, which is another one, um, a girl in my class today was talking about how there was this question that was like, should Uber drivers, Lyft drivers, people like that, should they be considered employees of these companies or contractors, like independent ones? And this girl was saying, like, I had to watch a YouTube video explaining what this proposition was so that I could vote because she wanted to vote. Yes, they should be employees. But the yes option actually was about them being contractors. Because that's what it looked like at face value. Because you had to do like some SAT, SAT dissection to For figure what? out. <laughs> yeah, it's like really gross. Also, bad. Uber drivers are now contractors and not employees. This is really terrible for Uber drivers because if they're contractors, they're not required to receive certain benefits, such as like health benefits. They should be receiving these benefits. The only reason that Uber wants them to be contractors is so they can not have to give them these benefits which are expensive capitalism baby you you need to treat your employees well and i stand by that literally um and then the last ballot measure that was really important is that louisiana voted overwhelmingly i believe it was like 60 something to something dear god to put banning abortion the banning of abortion in the state constitution oh my god I mean, so we live in a society, and the society is hell. You can't do that. I mean, you can. Oh my god! This is going to lead to a Supreme Court case. I know. This is all strategic. I just want you to know this. They know that this is illegal. They know that it's going to lead to a court case. They know that the Louisiana court is going to uphold it. They know it's going to go through the court system to the higher court. And I don't know what Amy's going to do. Amy. Yeah, because the thing is, is that I think people just think that there's an issue when suddenly the Supreme Court rules on it. But that's not how it is. You have to sue. Yeah. You have to have the case. You know, so that's what that's what like very conservative states do with abortion. And this is, you know, they do this with other issues too, but specifically with abortion, they'll do something that they know is wrong. They know it's illegal. So that they'll get sued. And so they can try to win a case. So that they can try to be like, well, actually, like, and that's how a lot of things actually are passed because then the court, the conservative court, right, of the conservative states is like, actually, no, that's fine. And it's like, that's still illegal. Yeah. Actually. So I think that's it about like actual things that people were voting on. Um, But there are a few things that i wanted to dis- we wanted to discuss um and i wanted to start off with the liberal circle jerk i was just waiting for you to say <laughs> because okay so as of right now like almost 69 million people have voted for trump and the thing is is that trump supporters have this thing where they're like we're the silent majority like blah blah, blah. obviously they're not silent or a majority but there were actually a lot more trump voters than i thought that there would be i I didn't think the race would be so close. Like, I thought... I agree. I, I kind of thought Pennsylvania was in the bag. You know, like I, like, I didn't think that we would be, like, biting our nails here. Like, and I think the reason for this is that I know of many Trump supporters. My boyfriend's entire family is Trump supporter. My grandma is a Trump supporter. I'm sorry, what? Yeah. He's not a Trump supporter. I appreciate that. I told him I would break up with him if he voted for Trump. And he was like, you would? And I was like, yes. yes. <laughs> um, but, like, I know of Trump supporters. But the thing is, like, I was raised 
in a blue state by not politically active parents, but but my mom is a Democrat. My dad voted libertarian in 2016, but we don't have to discuss that. Basically, like I was raised in a blue town. You know, my town, Biden won my town by like 27 points by like blue leaning parents in Connecticut, solid blue state. I now live in Boston, a blue city in Massachusetts, a blue state. I go to a liberal school <laughs> in a liberal city, like, et cetera, et cetera. Like all of my friends pretty much are liberal, you know, like I kind and you know, when I go on TikTok, I only really see liberals, you know, and I think that I kind of live in this liberal bubble, you know, where I kind of thought that like Trump supporters kind of ceased to exist. You know, I, I just pulled up my county's stats. Are you ready? Yeah. Joe Biden won by 79.3% of votes. Donald Trump got 17.8% of votes. That's where I grew up. Yeah. So you can imagine what I think. Like, I didn't even... That's not just that county. It's the sur- the surrounding counties are like that. Like, I just assumed... I mean, he's winning in wide margins and all the surrounding counties getting upwards of 60% of the vote. Like, I just assumed that everyone... Yeah. My county being so drastic, being almost 80% really goes to show. But like, I I just didn't think they existed. And even though like, if you look at the layout of Oregon, which is where I'm from, like the state has a lot of red. But again, where I live in Portland, it really is this blue bubble because all the surrounding counties are blue and the college city is blue and it makes up a huge part of the population so like even when you go into blue states and you really start to like like new york yeah or like california not on the coast you really start to see these like very large area of republican voters and there was like a clip where it's like it was from cnn and it basically is this idea of like a lot of democrats myself included are very disappointed because even if we win the presidency, there's like a disappointment that so many people feel this way in our own country. Oh yeah, 100%. 100%, especially since, I think that also being a political science major, I think also adds to this because I'm so deeply ingrained in politics and I have all of these very, like I'm like, this man was impeached this man has sexual assault allegations. This man is racist. This man is xenophobic. All of these things, like I, you know, but then you think about like all these people who don't even care about politics that much, but still voted for Trump. And you think about all these people that just don't care about the shit that he's done. That's, I think, what hurts the most. And even like the humanitarian issues, like we can say, okay, how do you know that he's racist, Leah? Well, I know that he's racist because he made the conscious decision to separate families at our border solely based on their race. He made that decision. Yeah. He had the sole power in that decision. He chose separating people. He chose putting children in cages. He chose children I mean, not to be blunt, not having restrooms in these cages and having to use the restroom on the floor. That is horrific to me. Yeah. And like, I don't know, just a little like anecdote. Like there's this there's single issue voters 
right? There's people who latch onto something and that is what they vote on. So for my grandma, it's abortion. She's a conservative Roman Catholic, okay? Like she is like abortion is murder. She has abortion is murder stickers like all over the back of her station wagon, okay? Like this woman is extremely conservative on abortion only, right? Because of that, she was like, I don't like Trump. I don't like Trump. I don't like Trump. But she voted for Trump solely because of abortion. And for the past four years, she's been slowly indoctrinated by Fox News. And now she thinks that Obama is an immigrant that's going to kill us. Thank you, Tucker Carlson. But, you know, it's just like, I think that it's so easy to forget conservative viewpoints and conservative points of view if you don't live in a, like a, like if you live in a liberal bubble like we do. There's also like the white suburban women who like, a lot of things really don't directly affect them. So as a result, they're more comfortable voting for Trump. Like these are women who are middle to like upper middle class living in suburbia. They would get taxed at a higher rate. They aren't really planning on getting an abortion. They have kids, you know, they're, they're married. And usually they're married to a man. So as a result, these these issues don't affect them. Okay, you're thinking, what about police brutality in cities? They don't live in cities. They live in suburbia. Yeah. And these women make up a huge percentage of our population. So as a result, you have a lot of white complacency because things don't directly affect white people. And like yeah. I've been really infuriated too because on TikTok, I've seen a lot of like, young white girls our age being like i want my rights and it's like i get it you're scared that like abortion is going to be get taken away and i know that that affects like non-binary folks and women and i know that you identify as a woman and that affects you but that's the only thing that affects you yeah literally the only thing yeah and i think that with like also with white people like it's very easy to be sucked into this idea that is completely illogical that like black lives matter is a terrorist organization that's going to come to suburbia and you're going to get shot and antifa terrorists whatever the shit that they push on like fox news maybe not as <laughs> like vulgar as that they on, do like, it subtly but yeah they, they indoctrinate you and then once you get into like you know once you start falling down the rabbit hole that's like i've seen it so much like i don't like there's this great new york times article about how you get radicalized by the alt-right but like obviously these so i don't think these suburban moms are like pushing QAnon beliefs but like it's so easy to get like fear mong the way that trump uses fear mongering to appeal to suburban people specifically women is insane and like not to be like it's good but he does a good job at doing something bad you know yeah and it's this idea that like the idea of like the nuclear traditional family is going to get destroyed which i would like to clarify nobody is advocating for that i know it's so like people who don't want a nuclear traditional family don't advocate for the destruction of a nuclear traditional family yeah they don't they don't care that you live in suburbia yeah they don't care that you want to send your kids to good schools that you want to have family dinner together no one is angry about those things what we are angry about is institutions that push minorities down so you can live comfortably 
Yeah, and I think that, like, because if you live, you know, in suburbia and you haven't really been affected by the Trump presidency for the last four years, and then suddenly Trump is like, Joe Biden's going to raise your taxes and Joe Biden's going to do all this and you're going to be so badly affected by it. And if the only thing you have to worry about is your economic security, if that's all that you have. Of course it's going to work. Of course it's going to appeal. You want to send your kids to college. I'm not diminishing what Trump does and why it's effective because, and I'm going to say this and this is like my Trump supporters are not stupid for falling for it. He's positioning them at their weakest points. He's picking on someone at their weakest level and is using it. How appealing does it sound to blame China for this virus? Right. If people are dying in your life, how appealing does it sound to call Black Lives Matter a terrorist organization when he knows that you don't have the information and the background to know what's going on? Because it's so easy to be a conservative and it's so easy to fall for conservatism. It's so much harder to be a liberal. And I don't mean that. And I'm like, oh, my God, I'm so oppressed. Like, I'm a liberal, whatever. I'm so much smarter than you. I'm saying, like, it's so easy to be like, remember how things were? back then we should go back to that because you didn't actually live that because if you're white and you're even if you're a woman if you're you know if you're in a certain tax bracket and like blah 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 blah, to to try to convince someone that we need to increase taxes and do this and you know defund the police and all that stuff it's so much harder it's so much easier to convince someone like you know don't you like how things are don't you like these things Look at these things. I can give you these things. Economic security, jobs, you know? When that's your number one priority, when you're a poor white American living in an area with not many educational opportunities, you can't afford to go to college. This is your income status for the rest of your life. Mm-hmm. And people are complaining about racism, which doesn't affect you and you don't know about. You don't even you know li- any black people. <laughs> literally. You're like, I don't even, right? So like, we're not sitting here and I'm I'm not. I'm not going to call these voters stupid. I'm not going to do it. What I am going to say is that Trump is a terrible human being because he's picking on people when they're at their worst and he's not even going to help them. And that's something that's so sick to me. If you're going to pick on people and get their votes, at least help that population. Yeah. But he doesn't want to. He doesn't want to help poor white working Americans because it's always just about him and what benefits him and what makes him look good. Yeah, 100%. And I just want to kind of add on to the thing I was saying before about how you kind of forget Trump supporters exist, kind of talking about the polls and how you can't trust the polls. But there's this thing called the shy Trump voter phenomenon, which I think is very interesting, which is that people will kind of lie and be like, you know, like for an exit poll or whatever, if they're being pulled, they'll kind of not, they'll say they don't support Trump, even though they're going to vote for him or something like that. And it's because Trump uses racist rhetoric and people don't want to be accused of being racist, but they'll vote for the racist guy, but they're not racist. No one's going to say, besides say like Richard Spencer, you know, like a self-reclaimed white supremacist is always going to stand up with a microphone and be like, I am a racist. I hate black people. But the normal Trump voter they're not going to say they're racist. They don't even think they're racist. They're, they, they, they're like, oh, no, that, no, I just voted for Trump because of the economy. I'm not racist. I mean, yeah, but like, you know, black people being poor, like, yeah, that's kind of their fault. But that's not racist. That's just a fact. 1350. Shit like that. They don't recognize that as racist. And I think that's really 
a problem of our American education system. And it traps people in their income status and there's not social mobility for lots of Americans. And that's why people are voting this way. This is tr very true, obviously. We look at black people, we look at Latinx people in the United States. I mean, we look at these like historically marginalized groups, but they have to vote blue or else they get shot in the street. Especially with black people, especially. But we're also failing poor white Americans by keeping them in their socioeconomic status, by keeping them uneducated, and by keeping them trapped in industries that not only harm our environment, but harm them. Like coal? Coal workers are treated like shit. Yeah, the, those lungs? No. Like you think if they could work a more stable and healthy job and make a higher income that they wouldn't take it? So like, I just, this is really kind of led me to take a step back to say that we need to increase our education programs in the United States. We're doing something wrong because if people feel like they need to accept racism and homophobia because they're so scared of the economy failing, they're so scared of not being able to put food on the table, we're doing something wrong. If people yeah. are willing to risk their lives to go back to their minimum wage job because they can't afford to stay at home while there's a deadly virus, we're doing something wrong. Yeah, and I don't, I don't want to end this episode um, by like regurgitating the communist manifesto because um, I'm not a communist, but class is what divides people, but people don't recognize that because there's no class consciousness in this country. Like, it's not race, it's not gender, it's not nationality, it's class, class. The, you know, you can talk about the bourgeoisie versus the proletariat, but like really the lower class and versus the upper class, that's, that's what you see with poor white Americans, you know, with minorities, you know, let that happen to be poor. Not all minorities are poor, obviously. I hate that I like clarify this, even though that's obviously not what I believe, but like but the thing is, is that Republican candidates, specifically Trump, will play to the race card to appeal to poor white Americans so that they don't realize that what divides, what divides the poor white American from the rich white American is their class. But they play on the race thing, so then suddenly black people are the problem. Immigrants are the problem. Immigrants are stealing their jobs. So vote for me because I'll make you rich because I'm going to ban immigrants. It doesn't happen like that, though. When immigrants are, like, good for the economy, but, like, we don't have to get into that. Immigrants, also, like, immigrants take the jobs that poor white Americans do not want, nor do they take. Poor white Americans are not going to go out there and pick strawberries for 16 hours a day. Ugh. I, I know that we're in a distraught mood, and maybe you didn't need this during this election time, and this is, like, not what you wanted to hear, but I feel like we had to talk about it. And I think, I think the take-home message is that no matter what happens in this election, obviously Alexis and I are hoping for Biden to win, like pretty clearly, you can just, I mean, like that's a fact. We still have serious work to be done to improve social mobility in our country. 100%. And to make lives better for everyone. So like at the end of the day, electoral politics is important but you have to remember that even if Biden wins, the Senate is still going to be Republican controlled 
Mitch McConnell is going to stop everything that Biden tries to do because that's what happened under Obama. The, the best thing that you can do in your community is mutual aid, local mobilization, um, like get involved in your community because that's where you're going to make the most change. Get involved with local political grassroots organizations. It's obviously a lot easier if you live in like a city, you know, donate to people on the ground that are mobilizing and organizing people. That is where the most change is going to be done. It doesn't end with the presidency. And I hate like white, like neoliberals that are like, oh, we can just go back to brunch if Biden gets elected. No, because politics is important and it continues to get more and more important by the day. So please don't don't watch Biden win and give up, please. So shut up and start talking about constant political engagement. Yes. 